So have you ever wondered why the Bible is so confusing to understand? Or why Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end? You ever been curious as to why there's a New Testament and the Old Testament? Or what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure these are all questions that some of us have all asked at some point. So that's what Bible school is all about. We're going to go through the Bible and we're going to talk about the semantics of the why, the how, and most importantly, the who. If you'll ride this out with me, we're going to go cover to cover through the Bible and dig deep and see the mysteries that God has revealed to us through this beautiful love letter that he calls his word. You've just tuned in to Bible School with Reverend Kojo. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Today we're picking up in Revelation 2. Uh, We talked about the church at Ephesus last time and how they were doing their work. They were doing exactly what God had asked them. They just forgot to love God. Yikes. And so today we're going to talk about Smyrna, the persecuted church. Um, Now, just a little bit of background. I'm not going to give you a lot of background because uh, we can get extensive in this thing. But Smyrna, actually the word Smyrna means myrrh. If you remember back to our Lord Jesus Christ when he was born, he was given uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, myrrh is like not pretty or whatever. And then if you remember in Isaiah, they talked about there will be gifts in the new, in the millennium, which we'll talk about later as we get further in revelation, there'll be frankincense given in the millennium. Uh, there'll be gifts given to the, to our Lord in the millennium, but he will not receive myrrh. Myrrh is a, an item that represents suffering and death. And I think it's incredibly fitting that the name of Smyrna is myrrh, what means myrrh, um, as we'll see as we get into to this church. This letter, of course, penned by John from the lips of Jesus Christ, um, is about this church at Smyrna. Smyrna is actually still around. It's not by the name Smyrna, and I wish I remembered the name of the place so I could tell you. That would be like really deep, wouldn't it? But I don't remember. Um, but it, they are still around. They're actually one of the only two churches in in the seven churches that receive letters is still around. And it says a lot about the state of what God has said and prophesied in these letters here. So we're going to just pick up in scripture, I think. Let's pick up in scripture uh, and let's move on. So he says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear of the things that are about to, you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw you, some of you in prison. Uh, that you might be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Okay. So of course, to the angel of the church, right? In Smyrna, right? That's, that's a pretty basic. Actually, that's in the, in the beginning of all the seven letters, uh, to talking to whatever church he's talking about. And then as we, we noticed in the last church, he establishes who he is. He says, I am the first and the last who was dead and who came to life, which is, which is incredibly fitting. He said, look, 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 I've been around. I have seen good days. I have seen bad days. I was here in the beginning. I'll be here at the end. And look, I was dead at one point. Look, talk about suffering. I was dead at one point and now I'm yet living. So I'm telling you, you know, it's suffering doesn't last always. Right. 
Um, and so, but then, but then he starts with another accommodation like he did with Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. Okay. So we can go ahead and pull from that. And as we'll notice in the churches, a lot of, all of the churches had a skewed view of who they were. Like they thought they were, they were this, they thought they were great. They were righteous or whatever, but they weren't, or they thought they were doing everything. Uh, <laughs> and they forgot to love Christ. Um, at some point they thought they were on top of the world. They had figured it out, but they were like prostitutes. Uh, they thought this is, this is living the world. And God says, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> they like, everybody has a skewed vision, but it happens that Smyrna thinks less of themselves than they are. And God exhausts them. He says, you think you are poverty, you're impoverished, you're impoverished, impoverished, but you are rich. Like you, you're really rich. Like, I don't think you understand the wealth that you have. And often we look at impoverished people and we feel sorry for them. Um, back around, I think my sophomore year in college, um, the, I was in this class called civic engagement and we actually had to go and interact with the community on a regular basis, like once a week. Uh, but this one lady who lives up in, she lives up in the mountains, a place where they mine a lot. And a lot of people are what she called cash poor. Um, but like people like to come up there and do their mission trips like they do to Africa. And, and, and look, don't get me on a rant about that. And they assume these people need all this help. They don't know what they're doing. Da, 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 da. And just because somebody is cash poor does not mean they're impoverished. And that was the thing that she went on to teach us over and over again when she came to visit our class before we went to go visit them up in the mountains. Um, is that just because you're cash poor does not mean that you are poor. Doesn't mean you're impoverished. Just because you 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 don't have a lot of money in the bank and we don't have a lot of luck, you don't have a lot of the luxuries that we have, does not mean that you're impoverished. But the church of Smyrna saw their pockets, they saw the sufferings that they were undergoing, and they said, "Man, we are broke." And Jesus says, "No, you are rich. If you could see the state of some of these other folks' souls and the state of their other these other people, you would you would understand you." are wealthy and don't you ever forget it baby you have you have everything that you could ever need you got me pretty much and then he says i know the blasphemy of those who say that they are jews and are not but are of the city the synagogue of satan so like that's that's something that there's a lot of ideas that swirl around the blasphemy, um, and, and it is dealt with all over the Bible. And, and I'm, I'm just going to pull a couple of places. We can go to, go to John eight in John eight. Uh, you know, there's a dispute over Jesus's testimony. Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisees and as he's talking to the Pharisees. He's like, he's telling them about, you know, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk into darkness. And the Pharisees challenge, he said here appearing is as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. So in, in, in one who is reading this or who is present, be like, man, they're like the church at Ephesus. No, they're not. Uh, <laughs> they're not receiving what Jesus is saying. Jesus is the light of the world. They challenge him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And so then Jesus says, he says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my tel- testimony is valid for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no very idea of where you come from or where you're going. In other words, I'm God. I was here in the beginning and the end. Like, you really going to try me, son? Then he's like, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on nobody, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the father who sent me in, in your own law. It is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the father who sent me. And then in verse 19, he says, and they asked him, where is your father? So then people think like a lot of people think this this is blasphemous. Uh, They're talking about, talking about God, but actually they're asking about Joseph because they're saying you're a bastard. 
Uh, you, we know your mama was creeping around. You know, like they're negating the fact that this was virgin birth. Nobody wants to believe it. And like, we can let's let's be real for a moment. If somebody popped up on the show and said that I'm pregnant and they said it was a virgin birth, we look at them like they crazy. Like, okay, get out of my face. Uh, regardless of any kind of <laughs> prophecy, we can get out of my face. And in a virgin birth, we knew what you were doing. We know where babies came from. We're not two. Uh, like, stop acting up. And they said, ask where your father. Like, there's there's some contention happening in this place. Like, they're they're like, bruh, why are you in here lying? And he says, you, you, you do not know me or my father, Jesus replies. Now, these are the Pharisees. Like, these are supposed to be the, the, the spiritual elites, uh, with air quotes. Uh, these are, they, they study the word. They know the law. Like, they know the law like nobody's business. They know what it says. Uh, but he's still saying, even though you search the word all the time and you know the law and it's ingrained on your mind, you do not know my father. And he's talking about God. They're talking about Joseph. Uh, Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near a place where the offerings. And so then they go, they keep going and he says, look, I'm going to go away and you'll look for me. You will die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. Look, if you don't start listening to me, we got a problem. I'm trying to save your soul. You trying to crucify me. I'm trying to get you out of your sin. And you're over here talking about issue after issue after issue. And so he, 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 he continues and he says, look, uh, and, and so he says, he says, uh, something about the, about Abraham. And he says, he says, uh, verse 54, he says, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, who you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him. I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do not know him. And, but you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And this is what the Pharisees said to him. He said, you're not 50 years old yet. They said to him, you hadn't, you have seen Abraham. Bro, quit lying. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, this is, this is their response. Like if we're going to put it in, in, in common terms, stop lying, stop lying, stop blaspheming my God. And then he says, verily I say unto you, Jesus said, before Abraham, I was born. I am. So he's, he's taking it back. He says to that, I am statement, like at the burning bush, he says, before Abraham, I was born. I am. He said, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not negating anything. He said, look, I am God. God is me. In the beginning was the word. The word was, was God. The word was with God and the word, you know, you know I am God. Like I am that I am that I am. And, and at that, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. And so already they're accusing him of, of, um, of blasphemy. Now, it's interesting that the scripture says that they are of the synagogue of Satan. He could have used a whole bunch of, of, of different jargon, but he says the synagogue of Satan. So that that sends us back to the scripture to believe that the people who are, are Jews that say they aren't, but are the synagogue of Satan are the Jews. Like they're actually of the Jewish lineage and they're of the Jewish culture, but they have yet to receive the word and they're yet crucifying figuratively, figuratively and, and getting ready to stone Jesus and the word and those of Jesus. And so these people are being persecuted for following Jesus and not following the Judaic ways um, to that avail. It gets even deeper. It gets even deeper uh, because then there's this, this um, terrible, this terrible idea that, the, you know, the Judaizers comes about. And they deal with it in Galatians. But, you know, the Judaizers wanted to convince people that if there is no, um, if there's no, if you've got to come to, you've got to come under the law. 
Uh, so if you don't come under the law, you're not going to get saved. You got to be a Jew first, then you can become a Christian. If you're not a Jew, you can't become a Christian. So you got to convert to Judaism. You got to follow our laws. You got to get circumcised. You got to do all the stuff that we had to do because we've been doing it for thousands of years. And if you don't do it, you, you can't get it. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If no man, you know, you got to come, you got to come through me. I'm the only way to come. Look, he didn't say he had to come up through the lineage of Abraham. He didn't say that you had to follow all of the laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He didn't say those things. He said, come to me. And, but, but the Judaizers have you convinced that that's how you get to Jesus. And so they, they're teaching this thing and it's wrong. Like it's a heresy. It's a complete heresy. And, and it, it, come, it derives this legalism because it's a denial of Christ's completed work at the cross. By coming back up under, under legalism means that, that what happened at the cross was nullified. What happened at the cross made it so that the law would no longer have to rule us. Um, but there were so many people who, they, that's not what they tried to happen. They don't want to see that happen. They weren't completely to see that happen. And the reason they had an issue with that is because they were nervous that all of this work that we've done for thousands of years, all of this culture that we have for thousands of years is going to be for naught. And if there's no more Jewish, like no more Judaism, we got a problem. This is my whole culture, my family. Everything that is me is Jewish. And you mean to tell me that's got to go away? I thought we were the chosen people of God. And if we're the chosen people of God, why is it that he's going to tear this thing up? I don't understand. Like, why would he waste my time, waste his time, waste all of this stuff? Why? Like, that's not even fair. And that's how they're feeling. And so we, it takes us back to Acts. Come with me to Acts. Acts 15. In Acts 15, we're going we're gonna to pick up reading at verse 12. In verse 12, we find these words. The assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas. And Paul listened, telling all about the signs and wonders of God had done among the Gentiles through him. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to, the, to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. It rebuilds. If it ruins, I will rebuild and I will restore it. And that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Who does these things? Things known from a long ago. So a lot of folks want to get upset. And let me actually read verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from the food, food polluted by, from idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat and the strangled animals and the blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on the on the Sabbath. So this, you know, I and part of that was right, and part of it he, he he lost sight, and part of it he didn't. But he says, he says, after this, now, I, I, I don't know if I've been pulling this out, but let me go ahead and make this plain. Um at at several points in the book of Revelation, we see this word, this Greek word, metatauta. Metatata means after this. And so we see after this in uh, like at the beginning of chapter three, uh, when I was telling you about the divine outline, uh, after these things is what it says. After these things, after this metatata, same word after this, our return. And so basically this is, this is an assumption that, and what is said in Acts 15, that he's going to rebuild David's fallen tent. And if it ruins, he'll rebuild it and he'll restore it. That's going to come, but it's got to happen after the church. Okay. And if it happens after the church, 
And see, but the church has to happen. Gentiles are going to happen. They are going to be Gentiles. When we get to verse seven, um, when we get to verse, yeah, chapter seven in Revelation, we're going to see about all of the Jewish, um, all of the Jews that are going to be ushered in to that have a spot reserved in heaven for them. But right after he talks about the, the spot that is reserved for the, the, um, for the, gen, the Jews, he's going to say, and then I looked and saw a number that was immeasurable. And, and, it's, and then he goes on to talk about these are Gentiles from every na- language, every, every nation of every language, all together in white robes. And so what we see is that the church and the Jews or the church in Israel have both have their place in God's perfect plan. Okay. The Jews are God's chosen people, but that does not negate the legitimacy of the church. The way that we come to, we all come to Christ the same way, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to rule from Israel. That doesn't mean that the land is not holy. That doesn't mean that God can't do his thing. That doesn't mean any of these things. It just means that God yet rules, that he yet reigns. And when we, when we look at, uh, when we look at, at this thing, it does not mean that Judaism is over. Okay. You know, the church kind of came up, became a little anti-Semitic after Christ died. Um, and it was probably because the Jews were um, prosecuting them. And so when the Christians got power, okay, I'm going to start prosecuting you. And that's actually wrong. It was wrong on both parties' behalf. For people who claim to know the Lord, that was wrong. The Jews still have a, 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 a purpose in, in, um, in history. Yeah, they got to come to Christ. They got to they come to Christ. Like, they, that's non-negotiable. They got to come to Christ. But in their coming to Christ, it doesn't negate their Jewishness. And their line that they came from. Okay. See, Jew, like when you're a Jew, not only is that a religious thing, it's a cultural thing. When you're a Christian, you're engrafted into the family. Uh, and so you come under your own fruition. Even if your family was preachers and teachers and, and all of that, you come, it's not a lineage thing. Um, and so it's, it's important. It's so important that we not uh, succumb to these her- heresies. Because people will convince you that the legalist legalism is the only way. You got to follow this law. If you don't follow this law, you're going to hell. And that's not what he says. He says, I'm covered you by with grace. Now, I want you to live right. I want you to live holy. And there are things I don't want you to do. But I, 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 that's not why I came. I came so that I could blot out your sins, that I could make you clean, that I could wash your robe and make it cleansed and do all of these wonderful things for you. But that doesn't mean that you got to go get yourself circumcised. It doesn't mean that you have to uh, uh, sit shiva. It's a whole bunch of things that you don't have to do uh, as a Gentile Christian. Period. Point blank. Okay. Um, now, let's, let's keep moving. On. In verse 10, he says, do not fear any of the things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have a tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. So he, at no point does he say that your suffering is going to be avoided. At no point does he say that you're not going to suffer. At no point does he say that I'm going to take this cup from you. Um, but he does, he does say that if you'll be faithful in the midst of your suffering, that I have a promise for you. That says a lot for a lot of us. And yes, some, sometimes God is going to relieve our suffering. But at no point does he promise that he will. As we go on and we walk through life, there are some things that are going to hurt they're going to bruise us. They're going to scar us. They're going to stain us. We're not going to be able to understand it. We don't know why. Um, and 
And as we do that, he's not saying, I'm going to take this cup from you. But if you will stay faithful, be faithful, be faithful. If you'll be faithful, I give you a crown of life. So when we look at what is, what is a crown of life, what is a crown? Now, so we know there are five crowns that are actually mentioned in the New Testament. OK, one of the cool things about we don't know. These are all the crowns, but, you know, it could be all the crowns because five is a number of grace. Um, so it could be all the crowns. There could be other crowns that we don't know about that we just have to discover when we get to heaven and be like, glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I, I made it over. Uh, but the crowns are our gifts or rewards for the things that we do on earth. And there are five that are actually mentioned or outlined in scripture. We don't know if that's it or not. Uh, we know the crown of life that he's talking about is for those who suffer for his sake. If you want to read about that, that's in James 1, 12. So for the people who who actually go through some things, those who who die for the for the cross, those who are persecuted for the cross, those who live in fear of their lives because they they live the word, those people who are having Bible studies underground, um, those people are going to get a crown of life. You're going to get the crown of righteousness. Those who love His appearing, who are those who are are, are excited about seeing Him, those who. Um, are, are, are trying diligently to make sure that they make it to see Christ. <laughs> Those <laughs> who live right and give right and all that good stuff, uh, they get the crown of righteousness, the crown incorruptible. Those who press on for the crown of the Lord, those who keep picking up the mantle and keep running, those who have not given up, those who are excited about doing what God has said do, they get the crown incorruptible. First Peter no, I'm sorry. The crown of glory goes to those who feed his flock, those who teach the word, those who um, make sure that that people have what they need, those who are making sure that that y'all y'all are educated. Um, and I hope that I that's 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 the crown I hope I get the crown of glory. Uh, those who feed the flock, and then the crown of rejoicing. Those who win souls, those who get excited <laughs> when somebody comes to Christ. Y'all know I and I and I think I said this on a podcast. And I don't know if it was life school or Bible school. They all starting to run together. But uh, we had a kid come to Christ recently, and, and, and it wasn't like a little kid. You know, I've had a lot of that, a lot of little kids. I want to get baptized. I love Jesus. You know, yay, I'm glad you love Jesus. But it really does my heart good when young young men um, who are in the age where the hormones are raging, uh, where they, they've got a lot of options, um, you 15, 16 years old, and you decide, you look at you look at me, you look at our other youth ministers, and you say, um, no, I can't get left here. I can't go to hell. I can't know. <laughs> I need to be saved. What do I have to do to make sure that I'm saved? That that, that I, I've been excited about that for two months. Uh, I'm serious. I have been so excited for like two months. Like it has made me so happy. Um, and 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 I can understand that. And so I, that's that's a crown. You know, I shall wear a crown. Um, I think that we should we should aim to be able to earn some crowns and, 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 and get some, some of those wonderful gifts. And these are promised to the Christians. This is a promise to the church. Okay. These are promises of the church. You don't see this promise made to Jews. You don't see this promise made to the angels. This promise is made to the church. And so I think this is a uh, wonderful thing to look at. Wonderful, wonderful thing to outline It's something worthy of praise. Like I'm glad about it. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to live it. can't wait to experience it. Wonderful, wonderful things. Now, continuing on in scripture, he says, Don't don't do not fear about the things you're about to suffer. Indeed, the, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have a tribulation 10 days. So a lot of people like to believe that this is talking about the tribulation period. Now, the tribulation period is to be talked about later. Actually, this is like past. Um, 
it's kind of ironic and we can draw conclusion or not draw conclusion, but I'm going to pull it out for some of you that like to draw parallels in scripture and to history. He says, uh, you'll have tribulation 10 days and you remember they are being persecuted under Caesarian reign. There were 10 Caesars. <laughs> I'm a persecutor 10 days. There are 10 Caesars and the last reign uh, was the worst and it lasted 10 years. So we, we can even pull that. We could say maybe that works. Maybe that doesn't work. I think it works because uh, we know that time is not uh, enumerated the way that God, we don't enumerate time the way that God enumerates time. Okay. So, I mean, it, it works. It might not work. I think it works, um, but that's not doctrine. Don't build doctrine around that. Um, that's just something cool. We just pulled out of scripture um, and history and made the parallel. And then he says, be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. So we talked about the crowns. And then as he did in the, in the last letter to the church, he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, um, you know, the second, the second death talk, um, is often believed that the first death is when your body is separated from your soul. And then the second death is when your soul is separated from your spirit. The second death is already taken care of for the Christian. And so that's, that's where we see that um, chronicled and taken care of. So the persecuted church, some of the high points, some of the most important things are that you remember that um, he doesn't promise that he'll take away our suffering. But if we'll suffer for his sake, he's going to take care of us in the end. Um but this is this is here here's here's three big things I want us to remember. There are three terrible heresies that was around in that time and that, that are around in this time. People may not wrap them and call them what they are, but I want us to remember this. We want to stay away from legalism, which is the denial of Christ's completed work. There's nothing you can do that can gain salvation. There's nothing that you don't you can't go far enough, you can't run far enough, you can't do certain things. Um it don't matter how many laws you follow, there's nothing you can do that will that will uh cover you and and will that will cover you like the blood of Jesus Christ can. Nothing. You can't get to the cross if you if he don't know you. Sorry, it don't work. It's not a meter of how many good things you work, how many, how much good you do, how much good you say. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. I can't say it enough. I don't know how to say it in Greek, French, uh, or but it doesn't work that way. Christ covered you with the blood of Jesus Christ when you accepted him in your heart. That's going to get that's going to yes your ticket to heaven. Period. Stay faithful. That'll get you into heaven. Um, Gnosticism. You know, you hear people talk about the Gnostic Gospels. They left them out of the Bible. They left them out of the Bible because they denied Christ, Christ's humanity. Christ wouldn't have been able to die on the cross had he not been human. Okay, and so he had to be all God and all, all human. And that's why he worked. The Gnostic Gospels and Gnosticism denies Christ's humanity. By denying his humanity, denies what he did on, on the cross, which means like it didn't hurt, like it wasn't painful, like it wasn't gory, like it wasn't real blood. It was real blood that was shed. It was perfect blood that was shed. And that blood, it pumped through his body. And and when they hurt, they, they, they did things to him, and they ripped his beard off, and they put a crown of thorn on him. They pierced his hands, and they beat him, and they did all of these things to him. But he did it for you. And he was human. And he was God, and he endured it. The third one is the seriousism, which is the, the denial of Christ's lordship. And this is a big one. A lot of people want to do it, and they do it all over the media, and they do it in a way that it, it slowly tries to convince you that God is not real. 
you know they they make jokes they make christian jokes like oh and then after a while we start laughing at at christians and we start laughing at the gospel we start being convinced that the gospel is not real and by doing that we put ourselves in a situation where we are denying the lordship of jesus christ we didn't start denying his power we start denying what he can do when you deny the lordship of your power christ's power is when as like when you pray and then you turn around and say, oh, well, he's not going to do it for me. It's like you stand on something and then you start doubting it. You get ready. You see something that doesn't look good and you're having to walk blind. And then you try to put some spectacles on it. And, and you still try to make sense of what's happening in, in the world. When yet God is still faithful and God is working. And, and you just over, I guess you just don't want to be right. He died on the cross, y'all. He's real. And he has power. Allow him to be the Lord of your life. And I promise you it'll be the best decision you've ever made. I promise you it'll do things that you've never seen. It'll open doors you've never experienced. And it'll change your life. All right, y'all, this has been Bible School. And we just talked about the persecuted church, the church at Smyrna. Uh, One of the only churches that didn't have anything bad said about them. And I think that goes to say a lot. It says a whole lot. All right, let's pray, gracious God. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to do this thing called a podcast, God. I pray that this this thing would touch uh, a multitude of people, that it would help them to come to know you as the free partner of their sin, God. That they would be hungry for you, God. That they would want to understand you more, and they would be hungry for your word and, and just pursue a relationship with you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would mend the brokenhearted and bro- mend broken relationships, God. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, and until next time, this has been Bible School.